Oh boy, here we go again. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. I would like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. In today's episode, we are going to address something that honestly shouldn't even need to be talked about at this point, especially with the way that Penn State has performed this season. It is Matt Rule and James Franklin, what these two could potentially have in common. James Franklin gave his weekly press conference yesterday leading up to the game against the Michigan Wolverines. That is segment number two. And then we will finish up with some Penn State news and which players will have the biggest roles against Michigan. And it's the obvious ones that you may think, but it needs to be said which players will have the most responsibility for the outcome of the game, for better and for worse, on Saturday. So Matt Rule, recently fired by the Carolina Panthers, didn't work out. I'm a big fan of Matt Rule. I think whatever program lands him is going to get a home run higher. I think that Wisconsin and Nebraska will be the leading candidates And I explained in yesterday's episode, so go check that one out if you haven't already. Locked on Nittany Lions, wherever you get your podcasts, I said that Matt Rule would end up in the Big Ten, most likely with Nebraska, because I think Wisconsin will retain Jim Leonard and move forward with him as the full-time head coach and remove that interim label. But there are some people that are convinced that Matt Rule could actually end back up in Happy Valley. He's from State College. He played linebacker at Penn State under Joe Paterno. He's a big fan of the area. He knows it very well. And in a world where James Franklin is not the head coach of Penn State, I would like Matt Rule to be the head coach of the Nittany Lions. That's just me. I bet there's some other people that would say, no, we could get another candidate or I would prefer this coach, and that's fine. But being realistic and in an alternate reality, as I say, let's be realistic, Matt Rule would be the appropriate head coach second to James Franklin. That's just me. But some people think that Matt Rule will be the head coach of Penn State in this reality. Oh boy, not again with this stuff. Where James Franklin is going to jump to another program. He's going to go to USC. He's going to go to Florida, LSU, whatever. Here's what one reporter had to say. And this is from John Bacon, who's actually very well respected. Uh, He's from Michigan, but he's an American journalist, author on books about sports and business. And he said this on his Twitter. "With With Matt Rule out as the Carolina Panthers head coach, keep an eye on Penn State. Rule is from State College. Penn State head coach Franklin's status has been in limbo on and off. And they have Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State coming up. Penn State's new athletic director, Patrick Kraft, is a buddy of rules. Franklin might feel some heat. Yes, he should probably feel a ton of heat for two on-the-road Power 5 conference wins. He should feel heat for a 5-0 record. He should feel heat for absolutely annihilating Auburn. He should feel heat for putting together some historic recruiting classes in Penn State history and always being around the top 10, top 5 in the country with who he's bringing in. 
Uh, he should feel some heat for bringing in Manny Diaz and Mike Yursich, two very capable coordinators who eventually might become head coaches as Coach James Franklin continues to expand his coaching tree. I mean, all of these things are just, they can really apply some pressure, you know. Got a feel for James Franklin. He might need to look at Indeed or uh, some other places, the classifieds in the newspaper, if you still go about it that way. Now, uh, let's address John Bacon, very well-respected writer. I, I, and, but Michigan, why did I bring up his education? Michigan, how convenient is it that it is Penn State and Michigan week? And he's written many books, but I just don't know that this take is the best one. Now, he's saying if Franklin struggles, he could be on the chopping block. If James Franklin loses seven in a row with this Penn State team, yeah, some questions are going to be raised, but one, that's not going to happen. Number two, that's still not going to happen. I mean, James Franklin probably has the most job security at Penn State since the 2016 Big Ten Championship game. Matt Rule is not just going to come in and basically replace James Franklin. I understand. You have to look at the programs that are struggling. Okay, why was Paul Chris fired? Part of it had to do with recruiting. He was very underwhelming in recruiting and just wasn't getting it done enough, and he lost connection with the team. You, you talk to players. You talk to other coaches, and I have the impression that all of these players and coaches would go to battle for James Franklin through thick and thin. They look up to him that much. Brian Harson down at Auburn, nobody wants to play for Brian Harson anymore. Nobody wants to coach with him. That is why they lost both coordinators to begin the season, in addition to all of the guys in the transfer portal. Worst case scenario, Penn State goes one and two over this stretch of Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, which could be realistic to think. I'm going to spoil it. I think they beat Michigan. I think they beat Minnesota. Ohio State, it's a bit of a toss-up, but it's in Beaver Stadium. And Beaver Stadium gives you a seven-point advantage every single time. It's not necessarily a whiteout, but you know that crowd is going to be pretty rambunctious for Ohio State. Uh, The point about Pat Kraft. uh, Yes, Pat Kraft actually used to work at Temple. Yes, he did. He was the athletic director at Temple, and who was his football head coach? Matt Rule. Okay, so that's a logical conclusion. And that makes sense if James Franklin is not the head coach of Penn State for Matt Rule to come back to where he's lived his whole life, where he's played football, the place that has made them into the person that he is today. And there's plenty of connections outside of just Patrick Kraft. But to say that James Franklin is going to feel a little bit of pressure, and he's on the hot seat. And no, it doesn't matter that he has that new 10-year contract or that Pat Kraft in basically every interview that he's been a part of goes to bat for James Franklin every single time. It's just honestly annoying at this point with the way that, oh, Penn State has this big coaching carousel, and we don't know who's going to be there next year, and James Franklin's always looking for greener grass. And that's just not the case. If you want James Franklin out of Penn State, fine, that's you. Uh, There's a boat of fans and supporters that do think that James Franklin should be fired. It is tough to win national championships. It is tough to win Big Ten championships. 
But I think that Penn State is going to get as close to that as it can with James Franklin. It doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take time. They had the Big Ten Championship in 2016, so you know that this group is capable. And honestly, with all the other New Year's Six Bowls and top 10 finishes that they've had, I I am not complaining. I think 2020 was a complete anomaly. I don't even think that season happened. 2021, yeah, that was disappointing. That was underwhelming. But Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt. P.J. Mustafer doesn't get hurt. They might finish 10-2 in that season. They definitely beat Iowa. They definitely beat Illinois. Who knows? But with that being said, James Franklin is not on the hot seat. There is no pressure. He probably has the most security that he's had in a while since the 2000, other than signing the 10-year contract. I think that gives him all the security he needs. He doesn't need to win a certain game or meet a certain expectation. You want him to, but Penn State wants this guy as its head coach. And James Franklin, most importantly, wants to be the head coach at Penn State. There are a lot of coaches that are looking around like, man, I could do so much better. I want somebody that is going to appreciate this program as much as the program appreciates him. And that's what James Franklin and Penn State have together. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. When we return, James Franklin has his weekly press conference, and we're going to go through some of the important quotes. He gave a bunch of them, and they all have some significance, but which three stood out to me? That is next. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode. What did James Franklin have to say in his weekly press conference leading up to Michigan? Well, a lot. It was over 30 minutes. Like usual, uh, when Penn State's winning, these press conferences go a little longer. When it's a loss, well, you can expect uh, James Franklin to be in and out. And that's kind of understood. There isn't as much to talk about. Uh, But when you're winning, everything's going well. Uh, But here are three quotes that stood out to me listening to his press conference and then going through some of the things that James Franklin was asked. Uh, This is the first one. The question goes, with the offense this year, do you feel like you have a number one receiver this season? If not, are you comfortable not having that? Okay, so we all remember uh, Jahan Dotson obviously dominated the target share, snap count, everything you name, because he's a true number one wide receiver. And he's always already making big plays in the NFL. But here is what James Franklin had to say about that. Yeah, I think we've got three guys that we feel are that. Obviously, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith, who is coming back, then Mitchell Tinsley. Then there are some other guys that are coming on. Now, what we see in practice, what we've seen all summer long is one thing. I understand the question, the production, doing it consistently in games. 
That's at the quarterback position. That's at the wideout position, tight end, protection, all of it. Consistently making the tough catches or consistently creating separation or consistently making the throw, all things kind of factor in. We think we have three guys and possibly more that have the ability to do what you are describing, but obviously we've got to get it done on Saturdays. So James Franklin named all three of his starters, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith, and Mitchell Tinsley. They went into the transfer portal for a reason. Mitchell Tinsley was a guy that they felt like knew Jahan Dotson's position the best. And just because there's three wide receivers out there doesn't mean they're all equal. I'm not saying that those guys are obviously talented in different areas of their game, but the X, the Y, and the Z wide receiver positions are all different. Jahan Dotson was the Z, meaning in Penn State's offense, they like to run double route concepts, option routes. Sean Clifford and the Z wide receiver have to be on the same page, and that is a completely different position from the X or the Y. Penn State didn't feel like they had a comfortable Z wide receiver on the roster, so they went out and got a guy in Mitchell Tinsley that knows the Z position well enough to come in right away and play, and he's proved that. I think that Mitchell Tinsley is the best route runner on the team. I think that Parker Washington actually has the best hands. It's a thin margin, but that's the case. But Tinsley has shown good speed, good agility, and the ability to understand the offense the way that he should. Parker Washington or Keandre Lambert-Smith could have switched over, but that's difficult to do. You are essentially learning a different position, a different part of the playbook. That's why you don't see, if Mitchell Tinsley were to go out, Parker Washington doesn't slide over to that position. He stays in his position, and the backup Z wide receiver comes in. When Keandre Lambert-Smith went out, Washington and Tinsley stayed in their spots. The next man up, Trey Wallace, came in. I basically look at this receiver room this year as Jahan Dotson split into three different players. Somebody that doesn't eat up all the target share. It can be anybody's game. And and that's nice to have because you can keep the defense guessing, which is why Keandre Lambert-Smith's injury is important to keep an eye on. I'm not saying that Trey Wallace can't handle the X wide receiver duties. It's just that that balance and that any one of them can be a number one, which is why he named them. He didn't say, yeah, you know, Tinsley's our guy and Parker Washington is uh, capable as well. He named all three because... Keandre Lambert-Smith, when you needed to, needed him to, he stepped up against Purdue. You also had Tinsley factor in. You had Parker Washington be the leading receiver against Northwestern. You had Tinsley make big plays against Auburn. So you can turn to any of those three guys and consider them the number one wide receiver on a given day. The next question and answer in James Franklin's press conference leading up to Michigan, it goes, since you've taken over, your team is... Three and five after the bye week. What kinds of challenges can the bye week present? What are you doing to make sure you don't come out flat on Saturday against Michigan? And James Franklin answers, the kinds of things we've already talked about. There's been discussion about studies that we've done in the offseason. We added an extra day of practice. Staffing-wise, we're able to be able in a position where we have analysts and people that are able to get ahead of us and stay ahead. I think that's helped. Also, like we've talked about this point of the season, about we've wrote about how we've rotated and played guys to be as healthy and fresh as we possibly can. Depth has played a part in the past, so all of those things. 
We spent a lot of time talking about and studying it in the offseason, talking to different programs, coaches, sports scientists, strength coaches, and all those types of things to put ourselves in the best position to go win this Saturday. For me to sit here and say that we didn't spend time studying it, looking at it, that wouldn't be accurate. We spent a ton of time in the offseason looking at it. Obviously, the opponent factors into it, but we spent a ton of time on it. The things we've already covered and addressed in this press conference, as well as the season, kind of answers most of that question. I think the bye week is perfectly positioned for Penn State. You were coming off of a solid stretch, a mix of challenging games on the road against Purdue and Auburn, and then the mix-in of Northwestern, Ohio, and Central Michigan. Northwestern's basically a MAC team at this point. They did lose to one at home. But going into possibly the biggest game of the season, I think Michigan is actually more important than Ohio State because we know from history that if this team wins this big game, it will set them up with momentum. However, that also goes the other way. It will hold this team back if they do come away with a close loss. But I find that interesting from James Franklin that they studied it. They studied the bye week and how to handle it. I actually have a working relationship with a former Penn State defensive tackle, Aeneas Hawkins, and he says that the bye week isn't necessarily an off week. It's an extra week of preparation. So yeah, you don't play a game on Saturday, but you still go through the motions. You're still going to class. You're still going to practices. You're expected to watch the extra film, but you get maybe about a day and a half of break because there's no game on Saturday. So you're allowed to go home. You're allowed to go visit family. And that's what a lot of Penn State players do. They go hang out with the people that are most important to them. So if Penn State gets an extra week of preparation for Michigan, and they get the chance to get healthy because they don't have that game where they're beat up. Michigan, even though they won that game convincingly 31-10, at least Indiana gave them a fight. So Penn State now has that advantage. And the bye week, it just kind of depends where Penn State is at that point in the season. Last year, they came off the tough loss to Iowa, and there really wasn't. They could have had four weeks of preparation, and I don't know that they would have been mentally prepared to come back against Illinois that way. Well, they came off of the bye week in 2016, and look what happened. They upset the number two team in the country in Ohio State. So that I think that 3-5 and five record is a little deceiving. The team's different. It changes year to year, the circumstances. But I like that they study it, and then they look for feedback, and they go through all of the possibilities to get the most out of this bye week. The last quote is about Michigan and its pass rush. Question goes, you mentioned Michigan's pass rush. What makes that effective? Do you feel you're better equipped to handle that pass rush this year? And James Franklin says, I think we're better equipped, but I also think they've done a good job of making people one-dimensional, so then you're getting in obvious passing downs. Might also be a situation where people, I don't know if the score has always mandated that, they can run some of their games it has. But people have gotten away from the run game because they've gotten down by too many points. Whenever you're up by a certain margin, then you're going to get more passing opportunities, which also creates more opportunities to rush the quarterback and pin your ears back. So that plays a factor into it, how the score goes. Very similar to their offense and how they've been able to manage their offense over the last couple of years and be able to stay on schedule. If you're in a third and short situation and getting a bunch of yards on first down, it helps manage that for their offense and for their defense and what they're trying to do. 
Yeah, I think we're better equipped to do it from a personnel standpoint, but I also think we're better equipped to do it in terms of not getting away from the run and being one-dimensional, kind of sticking with the plan. So James Franklin mentions that they have balance uh, when he says from a personnel standpoint, that doesn't just mean a better offensive line. That means better quarterback play. That means a better running back room. That means uh, better blocking from the tight ends because the tight end room is essentially the same. It's all the same guys from last year. But they're all better at what they need to do. And each part helps it out. Better running backs make for better blocking. Better blocking makes for better running backs. It's a little bit of a yin and yang relationship here. Here's something that I'll bring up that James Franklin didn't bring up. In last year's game in Beaver Stadium where Michigan won 21-17, Penn State allowed seven sacks against that defensive line. Five of them came from Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. Those two players are no longer with the Wolverines. Those were their best defenders, in addition to Dax Hill, who was in the secondary, but helps out in pass coverage, so that allows the defensive line to have some extra beef rushing upfield. Those two guys are missing. Penn State will have a much easier time. Yeah, the defensive line has looked good for Michigan. Uh, people applaud them and say that, well, they're the, they're the best in the country. No, they're not. They have played Hawaii, who might be the worst FBS team in football. They played Colorado State, who's not too far behind, and UConn. Of course, your defensive line is going to look amazing, especially when that team is up, that Michigan team is up by four touchdowns at the end of the first half. So James Franklin makes a huge point in saying that the game script where Michigan is on the scoreboard allows the defensive line to have those opportunities to basically just go chase the quarterback because they're going to be passing the ball all the time. There's no play action. You know what's coming. And for Penn State, in a close game, Michigan is not going to know what's coming. The play action is going to be a big part of that. The running backs are going to help alleviate that pressure for Sean Clifford, something they didn't have last year. Their running game was throwing bubble screens to Parker Washington. The ball had to be in the air. This year, it doesn't have to be. And James Franklin makes a very important point about it, and I agree with him. I don't think Michigan's defensive line will have as much of an impact. Nothing close to last year, but even how they played so far this season. My name is Zach Seiko. I'm your host of Locked On Nittany Lions. When we return, some Penn State news and three players with the biggest test against Michigan. The guys with the most responsibility and their performances will dictate the outcome of the game. That's next on Locked On Nittany Lions. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat. Or you could find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. 
chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. It's so good. What's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKEDON15. One final segment on this edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. Thanks for joining me today. Let's finish this episode with a little bit of Penn State news and three players that I think have the most responsibility against Michigan when it comes to the outcome. And they are some obvious ones, but we go through why. That news, though, and James Franklin actually said it in the quote I picked out, uh, and it's about Keandre Lambert-Smith. Could he be back this week? Well, James Franklin didn't specifically say that, yes, he will be on the field against Michigan, but he said we're getting Keandre Lambert-Smith back. He left the game early against Northwestern. He was seen in a walking boot. That's a little serious. You don't know what that means. And James Franklin says that they are getting that guy back. Now, Lambert Smith has had nine receptions for 104 yards. This is his third season with the team and a touchdown in four games. Lambert Smith's lone touchdown catch came against Purdue. And honestly, that was his best performance overall in that game. Four catches, 58 yards, and that touchdown I would say that Lambert Smith is probably that quote-unquote third wide receiver target for Sean Clifford behind Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington. I'd even say fourth overall because Brenton Strange has become Mr. Reliable for Sean Clifford. But to get him back for Michigan, if possible, and hopefully he's close enough to 100%, because I've said this already, I think Keandre Lambert Smith allows you to do a little more offensively. It forces defenses to cover man-to-man because then if he's off the field, you're able to double cover a Brenton Strange. You're able to double up on a Parker Washington or a Mitchell Tinsley, whatever your coverage is for that. And Purdue, at least Keandre Lambert-Smith showed you against Purdue that when he's on the field and they try to double up on guys that are problems, he can do that himself. So Lambert-Smith being on the field is important if he's out there. I think Trey Wallace is capable, but there is a reason that KLS is the starter. Now, these are the three players that have the biggest test against Michigan. They are obvious. Let's start on defense. It is going to be cornerback Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. is the best player in the secondary, right? Leads the team in pass breakups. He has should have more interceptions, but... They go as pass deflections since he couldn't quite haul them in. But nobody wants to test this guy. Nobody wants to throw at him. You can put him on an island and he will cover that guy no problem. That's why Penn State is able to do what it does defensively. He's going to go up against the best wide receiver he'll see all season. And that is Ronnie Bell. Charlie Jones gave Penn State some headaches. That's the leading Purdue wide receiver. But Ronnie Bell is a different breed. Uh, He will have a career in the NFL. He is Michigan's leading wide receiver, J.J. McCarthy's favorite target. And he's a big play guy. He can go short. He can go over the middle. He can go deep down the field. And that's going to be the big part. Can you prevent Ronnie Bell from having the big explosive plays? And Joey Porter Jr. honestly might be matched on him all day. Manny Diaz might say, 
you follow that guy over there and he does not leave your sight rather than leaving Joey Porter Jr. on one side of the field. It will be interesting to see come Saturday. The next one is Chop Robinson. I mean, anybody on the defensive line, but I am going to single out Chop Robinson for this point. Transfer out of Maryland has looked really good. Pro Football Focus College Edition has actually ranked him as one of the best pass rushers because of the havoc that he's provided for Penn State's defense and the pressure. So can he do that against Michigan? And can he get home against J.J. McCarthy? J.J. McCarthy has had it really freaking easy. Hawaii, Colorado State, Yukon, Indiana, they're not going to offer that much pressure. He had all day to sit back there, pick apart the defense. Chop Robinson is going to need to get home and turn some of those pressures into sacks. If you can get pressure on J.J. McCarthy, he's still a relatively young quarterback. He's not a veteran. This is his first season starting. He saw some action last year in spot plays. But I have a feeling if Robinson can get after McCarthy, you might see him throw a couple of interceptions to this Joey Porter Jr.-led secondary. And then last but never least, of course, it is the Penn State quarterback, Sean Clifford. Doing a little more research, uh, one of the reasons that people are picking Michigan to win this game is because that Sean Clifford struggles to make high-pressure throws, and they believe that The Penn State offense hasn't experienced that yet with Purdue or Auburn. I understand against Central Michigan and Ohio, but they're saying that Sean Clifford doesn't do well under pressure and that Michigan will actually force him. So the point I made up about J.J. McCarthy here is the same thing that some people are using to go after Penn State and pick against them with the Wolverines. Sean Clifford traditionally has not made every single pass under pressure that he has. I think he's been a lot better this year. He's limited his mistakes. He had one interception going into Northwestern. And if it wasn't for a really rainy day, he probably wouldn't have had that second one. No fumbles for Sean Clifford. He has protected the football, but he's got to do it again. If Sean Clifford is going to have those untimely turnovers, Michigan will make you pay. Other teams that they've faced so far can't do that. This Michigan team can. So yes, Sean Clifford does need to have at least, let's not say a great day, but a mistake-free day. If he can keep the football clean and continue to do well inside the red zone, I think Penn State actually wins this game no problem. This has been another edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. Tomorrow, we cross it over. Yes, the Penn State-Michigan crossover locked on Wolverines. We'll talk Penn State and Michigan, give our official predictions, go behind enemy lines and give you everything you need to know for the game between the 5th and the 10th best team in the country. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. That is Locked On Big Ten.